It's another great day for wellness. And this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, uh, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And I hope you are having a fantastic day. Uh, here locally, it's getting rainy and uh, much needed, by the way. And so we're kind of dealing with that. But uh, hopefully, otherwise, uh, you got out and posted and did some of the things that you know you needed to do to accelerate your health, and your hunt for wellness. So full disclosure, right up front, uh, I am not interviewing a guest today on today's episode. And that's because we've had a couple of uh, scheduling conflicts with some upcoming guests uh, that we're going to be dropping here in the next couple of weeks and just wasn't able to get everything in, in line uh, to release uh, in, in time. So that will be coming, but I wanted to go ahead and record a show, an episode, uh, so that we can keep the momentum going and to hopefully serve you that are listening. And so what I wanted to do today is actually address a couple questions that I've received from some fellow PACs here locally as well as nationally. And, um, you know, by the way, if you do have questions for me, um, I love uh, reading them. I love answering them. Uh, many of you have reached out privately via uh, Twitter or even on Slack and ask certain things that you may have heard me talk about or say. And uh, hopefully those of you that have questions, uh, you'll do the same thing. Uh, reach out and, and I'll be happy to answer them. So I wanted to publicly answer a few things that I've heard uh, a couple times already. And I'm assuming if I've heard it a couple times, maybe other people have thought of it. And, and you know, maybe by sharing it publicly, it will be an asset and, and add some value to you. So um, without further ado, I kind of wanted to kind of jump into a few of these. And the first one um, I get or I've gotten a couple times is about whey protein, uh, whether or not I personally take it, uh, the benefit of it, or taking some kind of supplement, protein powder supplement as a result of a beatdown or, or post-exercise or whatever. And so I've shared a few times, I think, a little bit of my daily practices and, and kind of what I'm doing for my own health and nutrition. But the, the short answer is this. I currently do not take a protein powder or specifically a whey protein powder. And, and that's for a couple of reasons. Um, first and foremost, and I, and I guess uh, the, the most important reason I do not choose to do a protein powder at this time is that I typically exercise in a fasted state well in my fasting window and before my eating window resumes. So as many of you know, and I've shared multiple times, 
I practice intermittent fasting pretty regularly, uh, Monday through Friday for sure, sometimes on the weekend. And for me, I practice the 16-8 method, which means I'm typically finishing all my calories and meal by 8 p.m. and I do not consume any other uh, caloric intake uh, until the following uh, noon time the, the next day. So for me to go post in the gloom at 5 a.m., to wrap that up by 6 a.m., I am not then consuming any type of food or supplement or protein powder more specifically at that moment in time because uh, just even a small amount of calories, certainly 20 um, or higher, can break that fast and um, you know thwart my, my attempt at what I'm trying to achieve, most importantly, autophagy. And I think I've mentioned autophagy before and the importance of it. And that's really kind of the secret sauce to intermittent fasting. Yes, it can reduce calories. Yes, it can help with weight loss. Yes, it can help with memory. But ultimately, autophagy is kind of that secret thing that is, um, which is basically a, a vacuum cleaner, if you will, for the for the junk in your body. Uh, it gets in there and uh, uh, cleans up the debris and cleans up all the things that we don't want in the body. So that's kind of the... The, the most beneficial aspect of intermittent fasting. And research shows that it really doesn't kick in until closer to that 16-hour mark. So for me to break my fast short of that 16 hours, I'm not going to maximize that autophagy aspect of it. So I do not typically take a supplement or protein powder after a workout, primarily because of the time I work out. Now, if my feeding window happened to be in the morning or closer to my workout, that may change. Or if I exercise later in the day for whatever reason, then that may change. But currently, um, that's not my paradigm. So I personally don't take it for those reasons. But let's talk about whey protein in and of itself and some of the alternatives out there and um, what might be best for you if whey protein or a supplement or protein powder is something that you're interested in. Whey protein, in my opinion, is the most superior form of protein powder, if you will. Uh, other popular ones are soy-based and um, even pea-based protein powders. Um, I'm not a big fan of soy for lots and lots of reasons. One is the hormone-mimicking aspect of it, uh, xenoestrogen. It can in my opinion, cause some things that we as men don't want to, to have. And even women can have problems with too much estrogen in their body. And so for those reasons, and that fact that most soy is genetically modified in nature, I'm just not a big fan of soy-based protein powders. And in reading labels, you'll see things like soy isolate uh, protein and, and again, that's what I'm typically avoiding if, if all possible. The other popular one that's not whey is like a pea protein um, based. Again, you're just kind of using the protein of vegetable, if you will, um, grind it up. This is typically popular um, for vegetarians or vegans, people that uh, are want to stay away from animal products. Uh, this can be an option for you then. Uh, if they want to avoid soy and animal products, this is kind of the go-to 
uh, one that they may want to choose. This is also popular in, in a lot of holistic or functional medicine doctor uh, style practices. And, and, and it, it's popular for a couple of reasons. One is it's not soy and therefore usually you can get a, an organic source of it or a non-GMO source of it. And the second is because uh, a lot of those type of doctors work with individuals who have very sensitive uh, immune systems or have developed intolerances uh, and more specifically to, to whey or uh, milk. And so uh, whey is just simply a byproduct of the milk processing um, uh, process. So milk is heated to kill bacteria and then it's divided into something called you know curds and whey. Uh, and so whey is that byproduct, and then that's, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It is dehydrated and, and created and put into a um, protein form. And the pea protein obviously doesn't have that milk component to it, the casein or the protein in it that whey would have in it. And therefore, those that are um, sensitive or intolerant to milk products um, may find that a pea protein is, is a better option for them. Now, personally, I think from a building block standpoint and from a, a, a health aspect, if you can get a whey protein, I personally like that more. Uh, and more, most importantly, if you can get it from a grass-fed cow base. So as we all know, cows are designed to eat grass, when they're not eating grass, i.e. grain or being fed things that bulk them up or make them fat, unfortunately, um, their, their fat is changed from omega-3s to omega-6, which makes it more pro-inflammatory. And so when we eat meat products that aren't um, raised properly, as well as drink products uh, that are from animals that aren't raised products or properly, we're going to not get the true benefits of consuming those products. So if you are choosing to use a whey protein, I, I implore you to uh, look for a product that is made from grass-fed cows. So, or milk, obviously, from grass-fed cows. And there's a lot of good options out there. Um, I always tell people in the supplement world, you get what you pay for. So if you're finding something really cheap in the big box stores, chances are it's not the optimal one. You might have to work with a health professional or some of these health um, specialty stores or currently, you know, online, you can probably find some really good ones as well. So that's what I would look for. Other ingredients, obviously, to avoid is sugars and artificial colors and sweeteners. They're kind of loaded in a lot of these products. So read your labels, read your ingredients um, if you are purchasing that. So if you're not intermittent fasting or if your workout is near your feed window and you want to consume those type of powders, they're an excellent way of building muscle, retaining muscle, preventing injury, and allowing your body to thrive um, as a result of kind of breaking down the muscle uh, when, when you exercise. Now, the other option to whey protein, and what I personally use is actually use the free form of amino acids. So protein is comprised of amino acids and amino acids are essentially the building blocks of protein. So instead of taking a, a, 
a protein powder, like a whey protein powder that's already got the completed, complete set of uh, amino acids kind of put together in a, in a, in a whole form, you could take uh, nutrients or, or shakes or drinks or, or, or uh, vitamins that have broken those down even further to the actual amino acids themselves. And so the advantage of that is twofold. One is um, from a caloric intake, it's not as high. So therefore, those of us that are fasting can typically get away with using those things close to a workout or during a workout without breaking our fast. So that's one advantage that I, I, I found is, is beneficial. The second is the availability to our body and our, and our muscles and, and so forth. So when we consume whey protein, for instance, our body has to digest that and break that protein down into those amino acids then, that are then used in our muscles and our cells and so forth. If we take the free form the, um, of the amino acid, it bypasses that or it, it doesn't need that, that step of the process. And so therefore, it's a little bit more available. There's several research studies out there that show that consuming the amino acids um, in its free form versus the whole protein form can raise that muscle building capacity a little bit faster than the other. So that's another advantage of that and one of the reasons I use it. Uh, more importantly, when we talk about amino acid supplementation, so there's 20 amino acids out there that are well known. Nine of them are considered essential amino acids. And essential just simply means that your body cannot make it on its own and you must consume it in a form of a food or supplement and so forth. So when it comes to muscle repair and muscle growth, you're going to want to work with what we call the branch chain amino acids. And the, they're considered branch chain because they have this chain branching off of them um, that is comprised of a carbon and three hydrogen atoms. And so they're a little bit different than the other amino acids. And specifically, it's the valine, leucine, and isoleucine. Those are the ones you want to look for. Leucine is the one that's most responsible. And when we're looking at um, supplements or uh, powders or whatever, that's the one you're going to want to make sure you have uh, plenty of. And then having the other ones, including some of the other amino acids, is also important. One of the cautionary tales of just taking high, high doses of branched-chain amino acids is it can you know, throw the the chemistry and the balance of the other amino acids that we all need. And so uh, I personally use a product that has a pretty dialed in uh, ratio of all those important amino acids, uh, including um, leucine being the predominant one because of the muscle repair and stuff that I'm looking for. So again, um, that's what I've chosen to do as far as a muscle repair uh, when it comes to, to, to supplementation and, um, nothing wrong with whey protein, uh, nothing wrong uh, with probably with pea protein, depending on the source. Um, I personally would still stay away from a soy protein. Um, but, uh, if, if you're willing to, if you're not intermittent fasting or if it's something, um, you, you can do during your feed window, then absolutely that's the way to go there. And if you got any more questions about that, uh, feel free to, to reach out. So another question I've received is kind of around my own personal physical fitness and what I'm choosing to do um, to accelerate my king. And that's 
um, questions around, do I just go to, to, to F3 workouts and do I just go to boot camps? Do I mix it up? Do I go to, to a gym as well? Um, kind of what is my personal take on accelerating my king? So, um, I have recently made a little bit of a change here, uh, to be honest with you. I, I have a commitment to post in the gloom um, about five, uh, four to five days a, a week. But I also found for me to, to reach some of the goals that I wanted to reach, I wanted to supplement it a little bit with some gym time. And, and um, that's kind of what I've been doing here recently. So first of all, um, you know, the F3, in my opinion, offers much more than a workout. And I go to F3 for that very reason, for the camaraderie of brotherhood, to, to be there for somebody else, to be encouraging, to be encouraged. Um, all those things are why we need to continue to post in the gloom. And if you're a, a man listening to this podcast and you're not in F3, let me encourage you to go find your nearest AO. And you can visit F3Nation.com to do that and to look it up. So I still find that that's very valuable to me. And I will continue to go to F3 workouts um, most mornings of a week. But uh, what I've recently decided to do is to enhance or to um, add more heavy lifting to my exercise regime. And that's for a couple reasons. One is I think as men, we were just designed to lift heavy things. I think, uh, um, you know, when it comes to strength and vitality and overall health and fitness, if we're not straining our muscles, if we're not lifting heavy things, we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And, and I don't think we can be the strong protector of, that we were designed to be if we're not um, challenging those muscles and, and doing that. And I found with my schedule that I wasn't getting the level of that through just going to some of the boot camps um, around my region. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't lift heavy things at a boot camp and that you can't turn an AO into something heavy. In fact, I frequent a boot camp once a week that we do kettlebells and cinder blocks. And I've gone to ruck workouts where we've lifted sandbags and um, other heavy things. So I am not suggesting you need to go join a gym to, to lift heavy things. I'm just saying me personally, if I was being transparent here, is I have chosen to do that uh, for for a couple reasons. One is I'm, my schedule allows it, and so I can still go post in the morning and have a good time at a F3 boot camp and then go to a gym a couple days a week and lift um, on top of that. So it allows me. The second reason I, I, I chose to join uh, a gym in this particular gym is they have a sauna, and, and I've have shared previously the benefits of what I uh, I think Asana offers, um, the um, the ability for it to um, allow us to to detoxify toxins and open up our pores and just it's just overall good for our health in my opinion and so because I don't own Asana that I have access to in my own home, this was a good option for me. So three days a week. 
I go and I lift heavy things um, at a gym and I sit in a sauna for 30 minutes. That's kind of what I'm doing in addition to my F3 boot camp. Now, as far as my F3 boot camp schedule, uh, I may have shared this before. I typically go to a high accelerating kind of run slash exercise boot camp on Mondays um, where we're averaging four to five miles of running plus push-ups and squats and all those fun things that we get to do at, in the gloom. Tuesdays, I go to a kettlebell workout where we lift kettlebells as well as um, you know cinder blocks, depending on that. Wednesday, uh, I'm, I go to a, uh, another kind of higher run heavy uh, style workout where we're uh, covering, you know, again, four to five miles plus that uh, lifting component or I'll mix it up. I mean, on Wednesdays, I'll go, I could go also to more of a traditional boot camp where we're just, um, you know, less run and, and more, you know, the, the workout and, and, and so forth. Thursdays, I currently do a third F that is in lieu of posting, but that's also one of those days that I choose to go to the gym and get us get a run in, usually four to five miles. And then Fridays, again, depending on what I'm training for, I'll either go to a run AO where I'm running um, five to seven miles, depending on the, the Q's uh, discretion, or I'll go to another boot camp that, um, you know, it's more traditionally based where it's less running, more about the exercise. And then I typically um, rest on the weekends, although now I've been finding myself doing a little bit again of that uh, resistance training, the heavy lifting stuff on, on the weekends, as well as the sauna to kind of round out my week. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, with my own fitness and and so forth, um, but uh, you know obviously there's no right or wrong as long as you're getting out there and accelerating. So I want to touch on the lift heavy things uh, component and and one of the reasons not only do we you know for me not only do I want physical physique improvement which in my opinion really only comes when we choose to lift some heavy things is I want to talk about the hormone testosterone. Testosterone is that hormone that we as men have, that uh, women have it too, but it's the one that we have in excess or more of that makes us uniquely men. Um, you know, allows, you know, sperm production, allows us to uh, deepen our voice, build muscle. And so for me, um, I want to make sure I'm maximizing my testosterone. Unfortunately, in our society, um, low testosterone is an epidemic. I mean, men are struggling with libido. Men are struggling with erections. Men are struggling with strength and endurance and energy. And a lot of that has to do with low testosterone. And I know there's options out there. You can take testosterone creams and pills, and there's a time and place for all of that. And I'm not suggesting you should or shouldn't do it. Uh, I just know, though, that there are some things naturally that we could be doing to make sure that we're maximizing that on our own prior to maybe having to turn to some of those things. And so for me, that's really kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that I was maximizing those things. So therefore, um, I chose to kind of dial in with nutrition and dial in with weight training, and dial in with 
um, some of those natural things. So that's why I do. Um, word of caution to those of you who just love long endurance running. Um, research have shown that if all you're doing is long endurance running, it may actually be decreasing your testosterone. In fact, one study showed that men that sat on the couch and did nothing had higher testosterone levels than men who chose to run at least 40 miles per week. So if you're one of those guys that just, you know, all you do is get up and you go run six to 10 miles a day and that's all you do, um, be wary. Uh, you know, get your hormones levels checked. Unfortunately, some, sometimes that can be more problematic than good. So I'm not saying you can't run. I run. I think it's part of the, the whole package of what we need to be doing, um, you know, as far as our physical fitness. But uh, if that's all you're doing and you're staying away from some of the heavy lifting or the resistance training or the boot camps, then you may want to rethink your health strategy and, and use um, and, and do some of those things as well. In addition to maybe getting out there and run other things, as far as testosterone goes that you want to be careful about is your diet. So we know that high sugar will decrease testosterone. So if you're consuming too much sugar in your diet, be wary of that. Um, there's some interesting information coming out about seed oils. And so again, I've, I've hinted on these in, in previous episodes and certainly on the COT uh, tip, uh, um, previously is, is, you know, things like canola oils and, um, even, um, you know, corn oils and peanut oils. And some of these things can be very pro-inflammatory and therefore, um, offset some of our hormones, specifically testosterone. And if you're not getting enough iron, if you're not eating enough meat, uh, and protein, um, you may suffer with your testosterone. Um, you know, that's just reality. Uh, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. For those of you who avoid meat, um, you may not get the testosterone that you're looking for if you are avoiding it. So, uh, I'm a big fan of meat. I've shared that before. I'm a big fan of properly sourced red meat. And, um, I think it should be a staple of most people's diet. Um, and, and of course, you know, there are exceptions out there and I'm not saying you have to, but I've found certainly working with the majority of my clients that they just seem to do better with testosterone and overall energy if they are getting adequate amounts of iron, mostly from animal protein. So that's what I have to say about that, which kind of rolls into the last question I just want to cover uh, here is, um, you know, do you have any advice on creating a um, queue? Uh, you know, when I go queue, uh, what is it that I think about and how do I think through a queue um, to make sure that we're delivering a great beatdown that um, everyone will walk away um, thankful that they showed up for, if you will. So first, you know, disclaimer is obviously you are free to lead and, and, and obviously Anything that I suggest here is just a suggestion and, and, and what I think through when I think about a cue, but you know, you do you. And, and, um, the nice thing about F3 is none of us are professionals and we're all out there having a good time and fun and, and it adds variety. So certainly I wouldn't want every cue to be exactly, you know, the way I would want to do it, um, because that would be boring as well. But, you know, since I've been asked and, 
and I've had the privilege of queuing many, many, many times over the last six plus years. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share a little bit about what I think about when I'm putting together a queue. So first and foremost, obviously, is think about where you're queuing. I mean, obviously, if I'm going to a running AO, that's going to be a different queue than just a standard boot camp. So what I want us to cover here is just kind of that standard boot camp, because I think across the nation, we definitely have mostly those. And that's a great, um, you know, thing to think through when we're talking about putting together a queue. So um, I think about the body as a whole when I think about the queue uh, or be, uh, designing a workout. You know, I've been to workouts where it's really just heavy on arms or I've really just been heavy on legs or really just been heavy on abs. And there's nothing inherently wrong with any of that, except that because most of us are traveling to different AOs on a daily basis, being led by different men on a daily basis, there's not a lot of consistency between all those workouts. So, for instance, if I go to a queue on Monday and all we do is upper body and stuff, and then I show up to work out on Tuesday and that queue, for whatever reasons, decides all they want to do is upper body, well, A, I may not perform as well on the second day. I may actually injure myself. And, and then B, I'm, I'm missing an opportunity to work out other areas of my body. And so... I like to think about every cue as an individually designed full body workout because if we approach everyone like that, then at no time are we overdoing one area, uh, you know, during the week and then and another and so forth. So that every time I show up, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever that is, that workout's going to be designed to work all my body. Now, the good news is, when we're working outside and we're working with a lot of the workout or the exercises we do, it's, it's very easy to achieve. So anyway, but that's in my mind when I'm thinking about the workout. I'm thinking about, okay, if I do an arm exercise, what leg exercises am I going to follow that up with? Or if I do a push exercise, what kind of pull exercise or am I going to do after that? And those are just things that you might want to think about when you're putting together a cue. Um, the one thing that I'm a big fan of is the warm-up. Uh, you know, too often we hear stories of guys showing up and the first thing they're commanded to do is do, you know, 25 burpees, 100 burpees, or the cue just takes off like a bat out of hell. And, and again, I'm not saying you can't do that. It's just it may not be optimal for all of those involved. Now, if you have a... AO that is specifically designed a certain way and everyone knows that shows up that you better get out of your car and start warming up 10 minutes before the queue announces time to start, then that's one thing. But if you have guys straggling in up until the moment the queue calls attention and, and, and disclaimer, then chances are there's going to be men around that circle that's not ready to do 100 burpees. They're not going to be ready to take off running. And so what you're going to want to do for yourself and for them is to start to warm up your muscles. And um, that's the way I look at it. So I always like to spend five to ten minutes warming up. And there's nothing wrong with the warm-up. I've, I've shared this as a tip as well. Warm-up is really a great way of priming your muscles and warming up your body for the performance that you want it to do. You will actually perform better if your muscles are warmer. 
And so what that usually looks in my mind is a, a short mosey, um, nothing too long, nothing too extravagant. Again, you're going to have at a boot camp typically different levels of fitness. You're going to have men that are gazelles. And you're going to have men that can barely move because their, you know, their knees or hips or whatever don't allow them to. And so having a short kind of, you know, run, if you will, um, is the way I like to keep it. And if we do mosey, we mosey slow. And you want to mosey slow to, to kind of keep the pack together. And then when you go to a warm-up, think about what you're trying to warm up. Uh, you know, if I'm going to be doing some chest work, if I'm going to be doing some shoulder work, if I'm going to do some leg work, I'm making sure that my warm-up incorporates things that are going to warm up those muscles. And that's exactly what we're doing. Also, remember, it's just a warm-up. So to do an you know, to do something that's uh, overly difficult or overly exerting defeats the purpose. You know, you just want to do enough to get a little blood flowing to the area, get the muscle warmed up so that then you can go and exercise um, safer and more efficiently on the back end. So, you know, don't do 100 Merkins and, and warm up or don't do a million squats or you know, I, I don't love doing lots and lots of burpees in a warm-up. I just don't feel like it's a, a good strategy personally. Not that you can't do a burpee. Not that you can't end the warm-up with some burpees. It's just, um, it's not usually the, the best uh, uh, exercise to do as a warm-up. So just FYI, if you're thinking through that, that's that's kind of what I think through. When, when I think about the warm up. So spend some time, you know, uh, warming up and that includes stretching, uh, you know, some windmills, getting on the ground, stretching, even maybe some broga, something out there to kind of really stretch the muscles out. And then it's a matter of, you know, uh, doing the exercises. Now, when I cue a boot camp, my goal is to keep everybody together. I don't, um, I don't usually, usually, do things that create this string of pearls or string uh, stringed out packs where we're running to a long distance to do an exercise followed by another and so forth. Um, I think there's a time and place for that. I enjoy those workouts. I'm just saying when I cue, that's typically not what I think through. I like, I like the idea of all of us staying together. And so what that usually means is I'm picking a very small area to kind of confine ourselves in. And that's typically what I do. That way we all work together. The other thing I'm a big fan of, uh, and again, depends on what I'm doing for the queue, is I like partner work. I, I love what I call a battle buddy, where I make the packs, pick a person, that they're going to have, you know, that, that's their battle buddy for the day. Serves a, a lot of uh, things, uh, in my opinion, um, when we do that. First and foremost is no one's working out by themselves. Um, someone always has somebody else to push them and to encourage them. So th th that's one advantage. The second thing is you're going to be accountable to each other. You know, it's one thing for you to slack off on the Merkin count if no one's counting with you. It's another thing if the person's counting with you. And, and it's going to just keep you a little bit more accountable when it comes to that. Um, obviously, we have different uh, levels of fitness and capabilities. So some people are going to be able to do more than others. That's okay. You can modify. But I like the, the accountability aspect of having that. And thirdly, 
Uh, and most importantly is the fellowship component that that forces you to have. You know, if you're out there individually or if you're all spread out, um, you know, you may not get that opportunity to really get to know that guy or other guys in the gloom as you do when you have a partner work or you have a, what, you know, the battle buddy. So you can, uh, I'll even, and, you know, pose questions throughout the workout, you know, ask your battle buddy these questions during the workout so that you know that more about them before the end of the workout. So that's also another thing that I, I like about the battle buddy um, thing. So um, I like to do cues that incorporate that. I mentioned a small amount of space, but doesn't mean the workout's easy. Uh, and, and I'm a big fan of multi-joint, compound, um, you know, opposite muscle work type of things. And so, for example, one of my uh, go-to that I like to do, uh, PAX may not like it, but I like to do is I'll pick an area of a parking lot, for instance, and it could be between like two parking, um, you know, spaces as far as, you know, the, 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 the larger white line down the whole thing. So we're, we're talking 30 to 50 feet apart as far as the space. And so I'll have everyone line up with their battle buddies on one side um, and then with directions to go to the other mark, uh, whether it be 30 or 50 feet away. And, and they're kind of doing some exercises back and forth. So for instance, um, you know, they may start on one side doing 10 merkins together, and then they will bear crawl across to the other side where they will do 10 squats. And then they would crab walk back to the starting point where they would do, let's say, 20 flutters. And then they repeat that cycle 10, you know, five to 10 times. And that's a great way of incorporating multiple exercises with somebody. And the nice thing about it is everyone's still all, all together. And you're, you're having the mumble chatter and you're having all those things right there, but you're working. And so that may be round one. You may do five rounds of that, you know, uh, uh, the, the Merkins, the bear crawl, the squats. And then you can switch it up. It can be a different variation of a Merkin or it could be something more higher intense, um, like a bomb jack, and then they can karaoke across. And on the other side, you can do five burpees. And then on the way back, you can nur. And then when you get back, you can do LBCs or plank or, or something. But, but you can put together a handful of those type of things where you're kind of working all the muscles back and forth. And everyone's staying together, and you're doing it with your battle buddy. You're encouraging each other. And that's just an option. Uh, the other thing I like to use, if available to me, is a hill. I think there's a power in hill sprints or simply walking up a hill backwards. And I'm sure most of you have tried that before. That can be quite a um, task, especially it's something that a lot of us don't do a lot of. And it's a good way of using muscles that, um, you know, you may not be able to use very often. And then one of my favorite things to do, and I usually incorporate it on all my cues, is I always end my cue with sprints. I think that's one thing that we don't do enough of. There's so much power in sprints. It's a great way of leaving it all out at the AO. And so I usually budget a few minutes at the end of the cue to run a few sprints. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a long, long sprint. I mean, 40 yards, 50 yards, 
um, or so is all I ask. And I may start with an 80% and then crank it up to a 90% and then we'll do it all out once or twice. And that's a nice way of kind of just having everyone individually determine how much they want to push themselves for that day and then leave it out on the pavement or field or wherever you guys are at the AO. So anyway, those are just some thoughts about putting together a queue. Uh, maybe those are the things that you're doing. Maybe you think those things are silly and you're not going to do any of them. Whatever, take it or leave it. It's just that's how I kind of think through that. And hopefully that will serve you one way or the other. But uh, that's uh, that's the questions I wanted to cover today. Uh, um, hopefully you guys gained some information, some knowledge. It served you. Uh, speaking of questions, if you have them, Again, reach out to me. You can reach out to me at uh, on, on the Nation Slack channel at Bones, B-O-N-E-S. You can email me at Bones, B-O-N-E-S, at Hunt for Wellness. That's H-U-N-T-F-O-R, wellness.com. Or on Twitter at, at Tunis Hunt or at H-F-W Podcast, Hunt for Wellness Podcast. And we can maybe use some future um, questions on a show. I'd be happy to do that. But uh, I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Keep getting out there, accelerating your king, accelerating your queen, and I will talk to you next time. But until then, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation's Slack at Bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness. <laughs>